This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. On this week's episode of Bucketheads, we are prying the Big Ten apart piece by piece like a plate of crab legs trying to give out the uh, the, the best predictions for the conference since... Uh, since we're now 11 days away from the exhibition and 19 days away from Ohio State's first official game against Akron. Um, as always, my name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Justin Golba. And together, we will be tasked with predicting how the Big Ten Conference will unfold over the next, um, I don't know, I guess five months or so. I will also be writing a full Big Ten preview with much of this stuff in, in, in the next week or so. Uh, so if you want to see it in print, that'll be coming soon. Friendly reminder that Bucketheads is Land Grant Holy Land's only basketball-focused podcast and one of the and one of the few basketball-focused podcasts in the SB Nation family of sites. So make sure to subscribe wherever you get your music and podcasts. Justin, before we get into the X's and O's of all of this, of the conference and accolades, standings, all that good stuff, um, let's just start out with like a really simple question that doesn't need to be based off of anything in particular. So not necessarily like good, bad. Um, overachiever underachiever which team other than ohio state are you most interested in this season in the big 10 and why yeah my team is michigan state um i think michigan state is always a team to keep an eye on obviously just because they're so talented but it's also this year they have kind of an interesting uh aspect their lineup and you know they did lose a lot they lost um they lost rocket watts their point guard which is always a tough person to to replace, but he wasn't producing at the level I think they wanted him to anyway. And they lost um, uh, their best player in 
Um, so it, it's, I think Michigan State's going to be very interesting. They do bring in Tyson Walker from Northeastern. He's a 19 points per game kind of guy, five assists per game, and also one of the best defenders in the country last season. And that's something they struggled with. Um, they were 331st in the country in their defensive steal rate. And he averaged three steals a game last season. So that's someone you want to bring. Kind of like Ohio State, struggle on the defensive end, you bring in Jamari Wheeler. Um, similar to that. They have the best freshman in the conference, in my opinion, one of the best freshmen in the country. And Max Christie is going to be probably their two guard. Um, and then they bring back Gabe Brown, Joey Hauser, and Malik Hall, all returning starting players. So they have a nice mix of new talent with returning starters. Obviously, Tom Izzo is one of the best coaches to ever coach the game, so that doesn't hurt. Um, and it'll, ju- it'll just be interesting to see how Tyson Walker and Max, when you have a full new backcourt uh, mixed with a completely not new front court. Uh, that'll be an interesting dynamic to watch out for. Yeah, and and you didn't really mention it, but kind of the the elephant in the room. They kind of stunk last year, um, mm-hmm. point blank. They kind of sucked last year. They snuck in the tournament at the, in the very end. They won a few games. They beat Ohio State, which was a huge win for them. Um, usually, Izzo's teams are like ranked in the top 10, 20 in the country all year long, and last year, Michigan State was unranked for most of the year. They were just not good. Um, and like Joey Hauser probably should have been better than he was. Um, I don't have AJ Hoggard's like two four like his twenty four seven page in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that Hoggard was like a four or five star guard, uh, like a four or five star recruit um, going into Michigan State, and like he was not good. So like they had some players last year that you thought like AJ Hoggard's going to be a star, Joe Hauser's going to be a star. Like they really weren't that that great. So are those guys going to step forward? Plus like Max Christie, like you said, like can anybody really see Michigan State being like a 10 seed back-to-back years like i don't think that's even possible it can't happen exactly i just remembered i I mentioned michigan state's losing the best player i didn't mention who it was uh aaron henry is gone if that wasn't obvious so but he also was someone who he played brilliant at times and sometimes he kind of faltered a little bit so it'd be interesting to see like you said can i imagine a world where michigan state's a first four team in two years in a row no i just can't i think they're gonna bounce back and i think they're gonna be a top top six seed in, in the tournament right even if you don't back it up with any logic it's like you just you just can't it's like it's almost it's almost the same as like duke like you just can't visualize or see michigan state being that mediocre back-to-back years because there's just a there's a standard there that they are like top two or three in the conference every year and it clearly didn't happen last year so yeah and they're bringing in the 12th ranked recruiting class in the country so not not a top five class but still a very respectable one of course Right. Um, there was some turnover in the Big Ten Conference altogether. There was, you know, transfers in, transfers out. Um, very, very good players leaving. You know, Michigan lost a few great players um, and Fogner and Livers. And obviously, like, Luca Garza's gone. Um, a couple guys transferred. Um, you know, Maryland lost a transfer and they lost a guy to the draft. So there's like a lot of very good players that left. There are a lot of really good players that came back and a lot of very good teams also got transfers in. So what I'm seeing with the standings and we'll, we'll go into the standings a little bit later, but the teams that were pretty bad last year are probably going to be bad again this year. The teams that are were pretty good last year, it looks like even with the changes, most of them are still going to be pretty good. Yeah, um, you know, when you look at kind of the – every conference is going through it now. We talked about it with with Coach with Chris Holtman when he was on the podcast. 
Um, you know, this is just the new wave of college basketball. Guys are transferring in, guys are transferring out. I mean, Minnesota, I just did a preview on them. They had 10 transfers out of their team, and they brought in 11. So, I mean, that's a completely new team, almost strictly of transfers. And we're going to talk about Minnesota because it's not great. Right. But still, nevertheless, you have guys coming. Like you said, Maryland brought in Fats Russell. That's one of the better transfers in the country. Ohio State had brought in three productive transfers. Um, you know, Maryland lost Darren Morsel to Marquette. But like I said, they brought in Fats Russell and they brought in Quagas uh, Wahib from Georgetown. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a different dynamic. Um, the funny part is a lot of great players in the conference this year, I think. There's three or four of them that will be freshmen. Um, they're going to play immediate roles. Caleb Houston for Michigan, Max Christie for Michigan State, Bryce McGowan's for Nebraska, and even Malachi Brandon for Ohio State. So um, even the transfers coming in are to look at, but also the freshmen are going to play pretty vital roles on top teams. Right. And some of those teams that lost players, I mean, you did, you talked, you, you pointed out the two big ones, really Maryland, Michigan, both lost crucial players, but because they brought in talented guys via transfer, it's like, I don't, I don't really see Michigan falling off because they lost a couple guys. If anything, I think Maryland's probably going to step up because they added a couple guys. Like you said, Ohio state added Ohio state lost their gunner, their guy that led them in shot attempts last year, Dwayne Washington Jr., but they're bringing some transfers. So those teams that lost guys still brought in reinforcements that I don't see a drop-off for some of them. Um, but we'll get into standings, like predicted standings and all that um, towards the end. Basically, what we're going to do, we have a bunch of like your your preseason awards. We're going to go ahead and predict them. So we have your freshman, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. Um, we're going to go through... Justin and I have both picked one for each of these. We're going to give our picks. We're going to explain them. We're going to see if we have differences, if we're you know, the same. Um, we'll do standings towards the end, and then we'll see how much time we've got from there. So um, we'll start with Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Um, Justin, who did you take for that? Yeah, I kind of spoiled the suspense on that one, uh, but it is Max Christie from Michigan State. I think he's, he's not the top-ranked player coming in in the Big Ten. That is Caleb Houston from Michigan. But I think Christie has the most chance or the best chance as a top freshman to just play the biggest role. I mean, he's going to be one of their top scorers, if, if not their top scorer, depending on how Tyson what role Tyson Walker plays on that team. Um, and he's probably going to, like I say, he should slot right in as their two guards. So he's 6'6". He can shoot the ball. He can get to the lane. Uh, he's, he's a dangerous player, and I think he's going to slot in quite well for Michigan State. That Call makes sense. I, 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 follow the, I follow that logic. I understand. Because what you're saying with Michigan, Michigan has a lot of mouths to feed. They have a lot of offensive. You know, Hunter Dickinson's there. He's probably going to take a step forward. So, you know, Caleb Houston's going to be very good. But you're right. Max Christie, like, legitimately could be their go-to scorer. So that's possible. I went with Bryce McGowan's at Nebraska, um, trying to slowly dig Nebraska out of being a laughing stock. They already have Trey McGowan's at Nebraska, who's his older brother. Went to Pitt, transferred to Nebraska. Bryce McGowan's is the is a five star two guard. He's six five or six six. Um, big, tall kid. Um, great shooter, great scorer. Can slash to the basket. Can shoot from outside. Um, and Nebraska, even though they've been bad the last few years, um, they have had a lot of games where they are pretty high scoring. They're just putrid defensively. Um, I don't know enough about Fred Hoiberg to know if that's if that's a trend or not. Um, but even if Nebraska is bad, I still think they're going to score. Um, and I think that Bryce McGowan is going to be one of the better scorers on that team. 
Yeah, for sure. And then uh, who do you have for the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year? We have the same for this one, so I'll take away some of the suspense there. We both took Jamari Wheeler, which is maybe a homer pick, um, but it's also not a homer pick because we've both watched him play for the last you know four years, basically at Penn State, um, and he's a problem. He is very much a problem. Yeah, he's he's one of the best on-ball defenders in the country, and I think also when you look at just these kinds of awards, a lot of times it's it's who improved you the most. And Ohio State's going from one of the worst defensive teams in the conference. So when you look at if they do improve on that side of the ball, which they should, a lot of that credit will go to Jamari Wheeler. Another obvious pick for this one would be Trent Frazier from Illinois. Um, but I think Wheeler is just going to be think- – because he's he's at Ohio State and because he, they're going to be a better defensive team, I think it'll go – eyes will look at him more if that makes sense. Yeah, I think Wheeler, Frazier – I think Eli Brooks up at Michigan is another is another one, and honestly, maybe even Kofi Coburn potentially, just because of how big he is, taking up the paint. But I think Eli Brooks is another one to be mentioned. I'm thought about him too, but Jamari Wheeler is kind of in a class of his own as well as as far as uh, on ball defenses is, is concerned. Holtman's already talked to the media about his guards. They've already asked media's asked him um, how are the guards doing. That's kind of the fluid situation this year with both of your guards leaving. And like he said, we've been turning the ball over in practice a lot and they said is that because basically they said is that because your guards stink or is it because they have to they're being guarded by jamari wheeler at practice and he said yes pretty much yes like part of the reason that his guards michi and jimmy sotos and those guys are turning the ball over at practice is because they're gonna have to deal with jamari wheeler in practice they're probably not gonna deal with somebody that intense or that aggressive defensively all year long they're just gonna deal with him in practice yeah, and that only makes your team better. And you know, you mentioned Eli Brooks. We don't have this award on here, but if there was Big Ten Glue Guy of the Year, I'd probably go with Kyle Young. But Eli Brooks would be a close second there. Yeah, he's uh, Eli Brooks is Michigan. Eli Brooks is talent wise is you could look at Michigan's roster and without looking at their roster, Eli Brooks is probably at best like the fifth or sixth most talented player um, on that Michigan team. But kind of like Kyle Young is to Ohio State, like you said, when you take Eli Brooks off of that Michigan team, it makes things a lot harder for them. Um, he is a piece that he's a steady piece that they really want to keep in that lineup at that two spot. Um, and he's very important to them, even if he's not the most talented player. Um, moving on to six man of the year. This one's fun because you can kind of close your eyes and basically pick any bench guy because we don't really know who is going to be the technical six man. But generally, it's going to be a guy that is still going to play. 20 plus minutes a game even if he's not starting so who did you take i took brandon newman from purdue and you're right because brandon newman could very well be a starter for purdue i just don't think he will because him and jay nivey kind of kind of play the same role but he was he was third on the team in points last year as a freshman um if he does come off the bench who's probably gonna be second or third on the team you know he was one of those guys where he came off the bench but he played a lot of minutes so um if he does not, again, he could start, but if he doesn't, I think I don't think he will. I think he'll be the sixth man of the year. Yeah, he's really good, and we'll talk about Purdue in depth a little bit when we go down the standings. But you know, you also could have probably picked um, from Purdue Zach Eady. Like Zach Eady is is also like one of the best big men in the country, and he'll probably have to come off the bench again until Travion until uh, Travion Williams leaves. So yeah, Purdue has a couple guys that you could probably take for that. I took Alfonso Plummer, who is a transfer from Utah to Illinois um, because of like the COVID waivers and stuff. 
He, I don't think he has to sit out this year, so he'll be playing. Um, he averaged almost 14 points per game last year for Utah, um, shot 38% from three, um, was not like a ball hog, not a guy that's like shooting a bunch of shots to get those points. He was getting 13.6 points per game on about 11 shot attempts per game, 44% from the field, 83 from the free throw line. Um, he's a guy that's probably going to start for Illinois at some point. Um, it gets to a point where... Um, you know, DeMonte Williams is really good. He's a very good three-point shooter, but how long will they play him just because he's like a fifth-year senior until they let this guy play? Um, he's a stud, and he would be a starter on probably 10 or 11 Big Ten teams. Absolutely. And then looking at the, again, we do have the same answer for this one, so I'll let you take it. But uh, for the Big Ten Coach of the Year, who do you have? Uh, we both took Matt Painter, which I'm sure that we're probably following the same logic here. Um, not talked about as much as like Tom Izzo, not talked about as much as Juwan Howard, um, not even talked about as much as Chris Holtman sometimes, but Matt Painter, one of the great big 10 coaches of all time. And if he gets Purdue to win the big 10 conference, um, I think he, he wins that award pretty easily. Yeah. And I think that I almost went with Tom Izzo only because if the Spartans do take the jump, I think they will. Um, it'll be kind of like a chance just to give him that award again, just because they did get better. Um, but I'm going with Matt Painter just cause I think, I think the Boilermakers are going to be a top eight team in the country all season and probably be a lead eight team, maybe a final four team. And just whenever you have a team like Purdue go that far, it tends to be the coach of the year. And then for big 10 player of the year, we're getting into the big ones now, even though we both are talking about how great Purdue is going to be. Neither of us picked a Purdue player for, Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, I went with EJ Liddell. Um, I thought about it. I thought about it. I thought about it. I think that Ohio State having some, hopefully some legitimate size at the five this year, whether that's Joey Brunk or Zed Key, which also makes you wonder if Kyle Young is going to come off the bench. I don't know. But it sounds like Holtman is, he's pretty adamant that Liddell will not play the five. He will not guard a five. He will probably won't be guarded by a five. Um, which is going to give him a lot more opportunities to score down low when he's not having to deal with like Kofi and stuff like that. So I took Liddell, and that's partially a homer pick, but I also think that he was Ohio State's second probably go-to scorer last year behind Dwayne Washington Jr., and the chains are off now, and he is the guy. So I think 16 points per game last year as like they're not even their go-to guy last year. Now he is the guy. Um, big step forward for him, so I would take Liddell. Yeah, and obviously there's pretty much four guys you can pick for this where you wouldn't go wrong. It's Liddell, it's Hunter Dickinson, it's Kofi Coburn, then it's my pick of Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I think just on a team like Indiana, he's gonna be he's probably gonna average about twenty two and ten. He averaged nineteen and nine last season. Um, and just when you look at Trace, he's kind of a guy that can do it all. He's a great defensive player, which I think might be Liddell's downfall a little bit if he doesn't improve on that end. If Maul Counts, he has improved on that end, so it might not matter, but um, if he doesn't improve on that, and that might be his downfall. And you mentioned that neither of us have Purdue players. That's kind of why I think we both have Matt Painter's coach of the year because they don't have a player that's probably going to be the player of the year in the conference. Maybe Trayvon. Williams, I think. Probably not. And I think. I think TJD has like he may also have like the narrative behind him too. Like Indiana brought in Sean Miller. He's supposed to be like the savior of Indiana basketball. They still were pretty mediocre. Um, Indiana after the season lost a couple guys to transfer. Um, Look like the sky was falling in Bloomington, bringing Mike Woodson and Trace Jackson Davis. Everybody assumed he was leaving because 
I mean, he's done, he's pretty much done everything you can do at an individual level to, um, he's done everything that you could do at a, in an individual level to prove that you're a good college basketball player and ready to move to the next level. He has nothing left to prove besides, you know, winning the big 10, you know, winning an NCAA championship, things like that, which you can't do by yourself, but he came back anyway. So if he leads Indiana to like a sweet 16 or like gets him in like the top four of the big 10, I think he could have the narrative behind him too, like a good feel good story. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that also when you look at it, it's interesting to take a guy for player of the year who is coming into a new coach just because anything can happen. But I think Mike Woodson was a good hire and I think he will bring out even more in him than Sean Miller did. The next one we did, which is really tough to predict. Um, you're kind of just probably cutting out the the bottom tier teams and picking from the good team, basically um, the big 10 tournament championship. Um, who, who beating who basically who's going to win the big 10 tournament? Who do they beat in the big 10 tournaments? So who, who do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I went um, really bold here, and I went with probably the number one seed over the number two seed. Uh, I have Michigan over Purdue. I just think they're the two best teams in the conference. I do think there is a gap between those two teams and the third best team, which we'll get into later. Um, and I just I just think Michigan and Purdue, that, that's just your – obviously it probably won't happen because it never does, but when you're doing a preseason pick, that looks the best to me. Yeah, this is – this is one that I always put in my season preview, even though it's like super hard to predict. I also have Purdue in the final game of the Big Ten tournament. I have them losing, but I had them losing to Maryland, um, which I know when we get into standings, we'll talk about specific teams a little more. I just think that um, guard play is really important in the tournament, whether that's the NCAA tournament, whether that's the Big Ten tournament. And I think that Maryland has two great guards on their team. Eric Ayala, who was actually an Ohio State target, uh, that Holtman went really, really hard after, and ultimately he went to Maryland. But Eric Ayala is really good. He averaged 15 points a game last year. He's going to do better than that this year. And Fats Russell from Rhode Island, not only does he have one of the funnest names in college basketball, he's also a great player. So you have both of those guys going. I could totally see Maryland doing kind of what Ohio State this, did this past season and ripping off you know, three, four wins in a row in three or four days. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. I am high on Maryland this year as well. Um, their depth is a little questionable to me, but other than that, I think their starting five is as good as it gets in the conference. Um, and then we, we did how many NCAA tournament teams will make it. This is also kind of a tough one just because so many factors will play a role into this throughout the season. But um, we both chose eight. We have seven of the same, and then we have a different eighth. Um, I went with Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State. Mich- this is not in order, by the way. Purdue, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Maryland, Illinois, Indiana. Those are the seven we both have. And then I went with Wisconsin as my eighth team. I'm actually pretty high on Wisconsin this year. And Connor went with Rutgers. Uh, talk about Rutgers a little bit. I think that Rutgers is probably going to take a step back from last year, or at the very best, they're going to stay at what they are. Um, they still have Ron Harper Jr. Um, I believe Geo, did Geo Baker stay too. I believe Geo Baker is there as well. Uh, Paul Mulcahy is still there. They lost Jacob Young. Um, yeah, Geo Baker is still there. He's great. Ron Ron Harper Jr., um, super inefficient scorer, but he has some games sometimes where he does drop 20 to 30 points. Um, Cliff Omarui is their center who was stuck behind Miles Johnson. He's going to step in and be able to start now. He was a four-star center, um, kind of like uh, – I said Liddell being behind Washington. He'll take a step forward because he's going to have more opportunities. Cliff Amaru is going to have 
more ish, more uh, opportunities now that Miles Johnson is gone as well. And then the bench guys that were so crucial for Rutgers, uh, Caleb McConnell, Paul Mulcahy, um, they returned pretty much the whole team. So I think Rutgers is going to be good. I don't think they're going to be elite. I think they're good enough to make the tournament. Um, I don't like Wisconsin at all. I think Wisconsin's going to have a really tough year. Yeah, Rutgers, what turns me off to them a little bit is just they didn't really bring anybody in. Uh, they didn't have a good recruiting class. They only brought in one guy. And uh, their recruits aren't huge names. They're not bad players, of course, but they're not huge names. They did lose Montez Mathis to St. John's, Miles Johnson to UCLA, and Jacob Young to Oregon. And Jacob Young, I think that is by far the biggest loss for them. Uh, he really ran that offense last year. So I just if someone can step up and do that, they'll probably be fine. But um, – Whenever there's questions at the point guard position, that's what turns me off. And then jumping into Wisconsin, that's kind of why I like them this year because there, I don't think there are that many questions at the point guard position with 37-year-old Brad Davison coming back. Um, they do have Jonathan Davis and Tyler Wall coming back as well. And I think they have a very underrated recruiting class. Uh, Matthew Moores is a guy out of South Dakota who I like. Uh, Chucky Hepburn is actually somebody I covered when I covered high school sports in Nebraska. He is a fantastically talented player. In their state semifinal game that I covered, he had 29 points, 9 assists, 7 steals, and 7 rebounds, and no turnovers. And that was the state semifinal game. So uh, he's a guy that I think will jump in and play a pretty big role early. Uh, the question for them will just simply be, are these young guys as good as I think they are? Because they're going to have to play early because they lost a lot. So um, that would be my biggest thing. Yeah, I I know that, that Davison is still there. And he's like a good responsible point guard. He's not your go-to scorer. He's really not a guy. He's a lot like Aaron Kraft in that aspect of like whatever he gives you offensively is good, but like you really don't want to like draw too many plays for Brad Davison. Um, Tyler Wall is pretty good. Um, I kind of forgot about him, but beyond those two guys, I just I, I don't like them a lot. I think they're going to have some long nights offensively, and last year defensively they were not great. They lost quite a bit off that team. Greg Gard is having a. We already talked about several episodes ago. The uh, the the several episodes ago, we talked about the meeting that Gard had with his players and the seniors that just like hated him basically, and said, you know, I played hard this year to prove you wrong because you said I suck, and you know it. It just seems like a bad situation. So I don't like Wisconsin. Um, but I'm probably being a little too hard on them. We'll talk about standings, and I might have been a little bit too tough on them. But anyway, speaking of coaches that um, are having difficult situations, our next one is going to be which coach is most likely to be fired after the season. And we had the same answer. Um, and I think he probably will be fired because his team is going to stink again. Justin, you can go ahead and tell people who it is. Yeah, it's Chris Collins at Northwestern. Um Actually, I do have a caveat to this, though. I don't think he will be fired this year because I think they'll be okay at least. Kind of like Penn State did with Pat Ch uh, Chambers for like four years. It's like he's not bad enough to fire him, but he's not good enough to really do anything else with him. Um, I did have Fred Hoiberg for this, and then I kind of corrected myself because I have Nebraska pretty vastly improving, so it wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to fire him. So I caught myself there. Uh, Northwestern, they're returning Bo Bowie, um, who kind of lit up Ohio State last year. Chase uh, Adige who is a good player. Uh, Ryan Young, Pete Nance will be their top guy. They have some weapons. They have some good players. Elijah Williams from Fairleigh Dickinson is a good transfer they brought in. Um, Miller Cop left for Indiana. That's going to be a tough one. 
Uh, if he would have came back, I'd have Northwestern as maybe even a fringe, fringe tournament. No, not fringe tournament team, but not bad. Um, but they are going to be a little bit lack lackluster in the depth area, and um, and like I said, Chris Collins will definitely be fighting for his job because they were just simply better than nine and fifteen last year. Yeah, the thing is Northwestern. I I think he will get canned if they don't make the tournament, just because. You're talking about all these really these good these good solid players that he's had for two years now. Like he's had Boo Booey for two years. He's had Chase. I think Chase Audige may have been a, his a first year with him last year because he transferred from I think William and Mary. But he has Chase Audige. He has Boo Booey. Um, he had Miller Cop last year. There is another uh, Pete Nance is very good. You're talking about all these good talented players. Then how did they lose like eleven of their last thirteen games? That's on. I think that that is probably on coaching for the most part. That is a talented team with good players, and I mean they just completely collapsed last season. And not just like an Ohio State collapse or you lose like four out of five. They lost like eleven of their last thirteen games. So how much longer can he keep having good players and then you know just not making the tournament? Not even close to making the tournament. So I think that he is probably going to get canned if they don't make the tournament. And that's the team that I'm going to be keeping an eye on if there's one team, just because Northwestern is, you look at the individual pieces and they're all pretty talented players. And then together they suck. Yeah. And I think last year consistency was their biggest thing. I mean, if they got a huge, like against Ohio state, it was either Chase Audiz or Bo Bowie. One of them had a huge game, but nobody else did anything, you know? And it was just like they need to figure out a way to put all those pieces together. And, and yes, in, in that regard, that is coaching. And that is just getting the, the most out of your players, which is something that like like a guy like Chris Holtman is kind of revered for. Um, someone who just knows his players and knows how to put them in the right situations. Chris Collins needs to be that guy this year because like they're, they're the problem is they're in the Big Ten. <laughs> so, right. you know, right. they're going to they're gonna have games where they play Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, maybe in a, in a nine day span. So it's not you don't have a lot of time to figure this thing out. They always do very well in the non-conference because they don't schedule too many people. So they don't they, they and they're good enough to beat average teams. But the problem is in the Big Ten you have eight or nine tournament teams and they've just never quite hit that level. And that's right. where they lose those eleven out of thirteen. Yeah, that, I mean, okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll push back. Eleven out of thirteen is that's like that's that's atrocious. That's just inexcusable. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. he's even the ho- the coach still there. But you are right that like even when you're looking at uh, that happens a lot when you look at bad teams and you're like, oh, they have some good players. Oh, like you start talking yourself into it, and then you look and you're like, okay, so they're gonna play, for example, <laughs> Ohio State twice, Maryland twice, um, Indiana, Michigan State. How many of those do you expect them to win on the road? And you look at the schedule, you're like, well, probably none of them. And you're like, okay, so back coming back down to earth now. Yeah, they're not that great. You try to talk yourself into it, and then you see who they have to play, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, never mind. Well, and in the Big Ten, I mean, and we'll talk about this when we talk about our first team all-conference, there's so many incredible big men. When you look at Northwestern, you look at that team and go, okay, who's going to guard them? Who is going to match up with a, with a Hunter Dickinson? Who's going to match up with a Kofi Coburn? Who's going to match up with an EJ Liddell? And it just really kind of – it helps you talk yourself out of it pretty quick. Uh, projected standings. Um who do you? Ha- what is your order of finish from top to bottom? So I have Michigan as the top team in the conference. I think they're a top five team in the country. Then I go Purdue. Um, then I go Ohio State at third, which I think a lot of people have them kind of in that three to five range. I have them at the upper end of that at third. I have Michigan State at four because I did mention I'm higher on them. 
I have Illinois at five. Um, not really an insult to Illinois. I'm just higher on Ohio State and Michigan State than most people are. I have Maryland at six, Indiana at seven. As I said, I have Wisconsin at eight, and that is kind of the lockup for my tournament teams. I have Iowa at nine. Iowa's a very interesting team because they lost Luka Garza. They lost Joe Camp. They lost their three-point gunner in um, Connor Frederick to, to Kentucky. But they do have some solid players in Keegan Murray. They're bringing back Jordan Bohannon. So they're a very interesting team, but I don't think they have the depth to compete in the Big Ten. Kind of, kind of similar to Northwestern. They're not a bad team. They're just in a bad situation right now. I have Nebraska at 10, which is a pretty high jump from what they were, which was 3-16 and 16 last year in the conference. Um, Rutgers at 11, because like I said, I just I, I question their guard play, especially at the point guard position, and that, and that is a turnoff for me in the conference. Northwestern at 12, which now that I talk myself into it, if they finish 12th, they'll probably get fired. And then 13, Penn State, just because new coach, they lost a lot. It's tough. And then I think Minnesota, I, there's a very, very good chance Minnesota doesn't win a single conference game. So 14 seems like the best place for them. Yeah, Minnesota could be one of the worst Big Ten basketball teams like since I've been alive. Like you're, yeah. They legit could go 0-20. And I want to preface that by saying they could also be good. We just simply don't know. They have 11 transfers, all of from small schools. So it's just, I mean, they're not going to be good. They're not going to be good, but they, they might not be as bad as we're saying they are. Okay, I'll it's say just, yeah. I don't think that I don't think there's any chance that they could be good, but yeah, maybe like not own twenty team. bad. Yeah, if they're, if they're a top five team in the conference, just give Ben Johnson, and that's another thing. They have a new coach and Ben Johnson, who's like thirty eight years old. So you have a young guy in a young situation. They're going to be good in like two years, but <laughs> this year might be tough. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Purdue won. Um, I think that Purdue is like a Final Four national championship caliber team returning their top eight scores from last year off a team that um, got upset in the first round of the tournament. That's going to be definitely a fire in all of their bellies because they all went through that and they all came back to make it right. So I have Purdue won. <clears throat> I have Michigan too because they have a very talented roster. They have several new faces. They have some talented freshmen. They have a transfer from Coastal Carolina that was very good at Coastal Carolina. But when you go from the Sun Belt to the Big Ten, um, does it directly correlate? We'll find out. But they have a very talented roster. So even if they haven't proven it, I'll do Michigan too. Maryland three. They're starting the season ranked a little bit lower in the AP poll. Um, that'll probably benefit them. I think they're going to probably. Uh, really fly under the radar for this early part of the season because their starting five, like we talked about, um, is is really solid and stacks up to pretty much anybody else in the conference. I have Ohio State four. Um, brought in a couple of good transfers, Cedric Russell, Jamari Wheeler. I think EJ Adele takes a step forward. Illinois five. Uh, 
Illinois, we thought was kind of falling apart when the offseason started. We thought that they were going to lose Desumu, Kofi Kerb- Coburn, potentially Trent Frazier. They lost Adam Miller. Like, okay, they're going to stink. And then slowly those players trickled back in. Frazier came back. Kofi came back. Got a couple um, really good transfers. And Omar Payne from, I think he went to, I think Omar Payne was from Florida and Alfonso Plummer from Utah. So Illinois is going to be good again. Michigan State, we were talking about Michigan State pretty in depth. Um, I just can't see them being crappy back-to-back years. It's not how Michigan State basketball works. Um, I have Indiana 7. Trace Jackson Davis is great. Indiana brought in a couple um, really good transfers as well. And in terms of talent, when you just look at the like the the recruits that they have still there, I mean, Christian Lander was terrible last year, but he was a five-star guard. Like, supposed to be... I thought he was going to be the Big Ten player, the Big Ten freshman of the year last year, and he was bad. So he's still there. You already talked about Trace Jackson Davis in depth. Race Thompson is still there. Merrill Cop transferred in. Rob Finnessy is still there. Um, Anthony Leal is still there. So I think that Indiana is going to be a good team. Rutgers, um, I have at eight. That's kind of my cutoff point of like the good teams. And then Iowa takes a big step back. Northwestern at 10. Nebraska at 11, which is a jump from them for them from last year. I Wisconsin way down at 12. I think they're going to be bad. And then 13, 14, like race to the bottom. And I think Penn State, Minnesota is like the clear bottom two. Penn State 13, Minnesota 14. Yeah, I, I think the, the top is clear and the bottom is clear. You get a little murky in the middle, which is always how the Big Ten works. And, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a grind for a lot of teams. As we point out, we talked about high state schedule, you know. Um, I and their schedule isn't even as bad as a lot of schedules. They got kind of lucky, so not lucky. Yeah, I feel like it's I, like the uh, I think it's like the eight to twelve range. Like we both kind of agree on the top six or seven. Like you you, you assume like Purdue, Michigan, Maryland, Ohio State, Illinois, Michigan State, Indiana are all probably going to make the tournament. It's like that eight to twelve range of like who's going to be the last team or two that's like on the right side of the line that you'd say like yeah they're a good team. Is it like? Is Rutgers going to be good? Is Wisconsin going to be good? Could Nebraska? Like, I don't think either of us would be shocked if, if Nebraska made the tournament somehow, and neither of us would be shocked if Rutgers came in like thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's your projected finish. We also did first team all Big Ten. Um, we have almost the exact same for this, so we'll go through. And we can just talk about our one difference. I have Eric Ayala and Jaden Ivy. Um, Ayala from Maryland, Jaden Ivy from Purdue. Um, EJ Odell, Trace Jackson Davis, and Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, and I have everybody that he said except Jaden Ivey. I replaced him with Kofi Coburn. Um, the, the reason for that is just simply because, especially with no A.O. DeSumo, I just think Kofi Coburn's stats are going to be pretty insane this year, like looking at 20 and 10 a, a game. Um, Jaden Ivey, there's a lot more ways for them to get points. Brandon Newman, Travion Williams obviously was one of the most used players in the country last year. So that's not his usage rate. It's not going to change. Um, Sasha Stevanovich, you have Eric Hunter Jr. There's just a lot of pieces on that Purdue team. Um, so I, I just think Kofi Coburn's stats will be better and he'll be a little more valuable to his particular team. But I love Jaden Ivey. He's my sixth man if there, if there was one. Yeah, I think, I mean, Kofi's like the safe pick. Um, I tried to think of it as like with first team, like two guards, three bigs. So they're definitely more good bigs than good guards in the Big Ten. Only thing that concerns me about Kofi is like, can Kofi Coburn get any better than what he is in the college level? Like, I think we know what uh, who Kofi Coburn is. I don't know if he can get any better than he already is. Like, I I really think that he's probably hit his ceiling, and if his points, sorry, if his stats 
get better, it's more opportunities, not because he's going to improve. Like he can't shoot free throws. He cannot shoot outside of the paint. But if you let him get the ball in the paint and, you know, if you let him back, you down in the paint, it's over with. But I think that we know what he is and I think he's already hit his ceiling. So I, I just don't know if he gets any better. I definitely, um, I definitely don't think he's like a big time player of the year candidate. Uh, probably not, but even, even if the stuff that you said was accurate, which, which I think it is, I don't think he's, you know, his footwork in the paint is struggles. He's not the best defensive player. All of that stuff is true. He still is just a dominating force that probably can still easily get 20 and 10. And I do agree that, um, he's probably not getting better, but his stats, I do think will improve because I do think he has more opportunity. Like I said, with and that's no why I was such a head scratcher that he came back to school because like, what else does he have to prove? Kind of like Trace Jackson Davis. Like, what else does he have to prove at the college level for NBA scouts? Like, is he going to develop a three-point jumper this year? Hell no. Is he going to learn how to shoot free throws this year? Probably not. Is he going to start hitting elbow jumpers like Liddell? Hell no. So, like, what, what really – I don't know what he had to prove by coming back to college for another year. Like, we know who he is and what he can do. Um, it's just, can you stop him? Like, his very limited toolbox of options – is 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 very 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 good his like three moves are very hard to stop yeah i think he came back one because i think illinois is a good team and i think he knows that and i think you know they were another team that was a disappointing uh, exit in the tournament for the big 10 so that's that that can motivate him also i think he's back because i think he needs to prove what he can be in the paint he's 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 an nba size player in the paint he's not an nba polished player in the paint so i think he's come back he needs to work on his footwork he needs to work on catching the ball in the right position. He needs to work on positioning for rebounds. All of those things, I think that's what he's working. I don't think you're going to see him start popping 25-footers, but I think you're going to start seeing him maybe be a little more polished in those two to three feet, or, feet range. Right. That makes sense. Um, I think we've pretty much hit everything Big Ten related. We were thinking about maybe doing some stuff on like a national level, but you know, like Final Four picks, stuff like that, but maybe another week. Um, we're going to have a guest on next week, hopefully, and maybe we'll – um, have him answer that question instead. What I want to close on, um, a few weeks ago, we talked about um, <laughs> the, the St. John's mutiny. Um, and I think we're going to start just a little bit here with a St. John's update. So our update on St. John's today, um, and and Justin, I know you saw this this tweet. Um, geez, if I can find the actual tweet here. Uh, the tweet was from Kevin Sweeney, friend of the pod, who was also a guest on our podcast earlier on. Here we go. Yeah, I found it. So basically, the original quote was, Coach Mike Anderson on the strength of St. John's non-conference schedule, quote, there are no cupcakes anymore. And then Kevin Sweeney responds with, St. John's opens the season with Mississippi Valley State, who is number 358 in Kempom. Um, there are only 358 Division One teams. Um, they are the worst team in college basketball. So off of that, I looked at St. John's non-conference schedule. Just see where they're at in Ken Palm. And in order, they have Mississippi Valley State at 358, St. Peter's at 172, Indiana. So they're 31. That's a good game for them. Fairleigh Dickinson at 325, St. Francis at 323, NJIT, the New Jersey Institute of Technology, 289. Then they have Kansas. They have Fordham at 245, Monmouth at 233, and Colgate at 121. So... And also, they played DePaul twice in conference play, and they're 140. So they're not even, they're worse than Colgate and Ken Palm. So what the hell is he talking about? 
Yeah, if you were to look up cupcake in the dictionary, it would be a nice cupcake. And the next word would probably be St. John's schedule. Um, so it's interesting that you decided to use that example this year. I mean, I know NGIT. Like, my first introduction to NGIT was, I forget what year it was, but they went 0-31. Um, and they haven't got much better since. So I don't really understand. And like you said, they do – not not only do they play the worst team in the country on Ken Palm standards, they open their season. They see them in two weeks. So I think they need to either start hitting the tape a little harder or um, – I, I, I that's that is that if there's ever been a they've quote, they've the three teams on their schedule that are ranked lower than NJIT. Welcome to Coach Speak. That's three cool. teams that are ranked lower than the New Jersey Institute of Technology <laughs> in basketball. So that's your St. John's update. If anybody sees any good bits about St. John's in the coming weeks, we're gonna um, try to keep people updated on St. John's because after a comment like that, I pray to God that he that they lose to one of those four teams. Yeah, it, it's like, he's, it setting, it's like he's setting them up to lose to one of them because he's saying there's no cupcakes, but like there are, and you we play gotta, most of them. We we, we got to really get up. We really got to be ready for a good a good NJIT team next week coming in here. It's wow. Yeah, it's like if they lose now to NJIT, he can go. Well, I told you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just an absolutely brutal comment that I hope we can pull that back up in a few weeks and be like, well, you were right, Mike. All right, that'll probably do it for us today. If there's anything that we missed, any accolades, predictions, proclamations, um, send us a message um, on Twitter, um, comment on iTunes, Apple Music, or whatever, um, and we'll be happy to include that in the next episode. Yeah, and always remember, if you're listening, to leave a five-star review. That always helps us and can make us do better things with better people because they see that, and that means they like us. We are now a weekly podcast. We will be dropping new episodes every thursday throughout the regular season justin where can uh the people follow you on twitter on social um send you hate mail that kind of thing yeah um you can find me unless you're sending me hate mail then you can find me at lamont's connor no, i was kidding um at justin underscore golba you can find our bucketheads podcast twitter at bucketheads underscore lghl um that stands for land grant holy land is and it underscore or is it just together i don't know it might be together i, I think it's just together as you can see, we don't use our Twitter too oh, much folks. right now, but we will start being very much more active on it once the season starts, and especially now that we are a weekly podcast. What the hell is Twitter? What's the damn Twitter? Oh, it's it's yeah, it's it's just Bucketheads LGHL. There's no underscore. Sorry about that. I thought I was a fan of underscores. I guess I'm not. You can also follow uh, follow the main account Land Grant Holy Land uh, at Land Grant 33. You can follow me at Lamans underscore Connor. Um, thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We are more than just an Ohio State podcast. We like to talk about other things too, like St. John's. You guys have a great week and go Bucks. Bucks.